Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor. Welcome to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the exponential success coach. And today, well, you know, I'm all about exponential success. Leveraging your success happens when you actively promote creativity. And what's the best way to get creative? Play. (laughs) Most people know I'm a little playful, um, just a little. uh, And, you know, I take my work pretty seriously, but I don't take myself too seriously. And that's what really attracted me to the next guest that we have. I have with me uh, Mike Montague, who is here to share some of the best practices and actionable insights that will help you gain trust and engage with others more authentically. And I think both of those are really important out in the world, whether it doesn't really matter what your what your role is. So uh, here is a master of play, Mike Montague. Welcome to the program. Hey, so great to be here. And I love your opening remarks. I like to speak to people who get the joke uh, and who get play, but I think it's also important to remind other adults to not take themselves so damn seriously <laughs> to relax a little bit and, and enjoy the ride. So hopefully we have a little bit of both listening to the podcast. Today. Well, I think, uh, you know, uh, my audience is very broad and we have people that are out there stocking shelves and fixing machines. And we have uh, bank presidents out there as well as part of the, the, the listening audience professionals, definitely. So uh, we all get a chance to just lighten up a little bit. I think it's really important to to remember that that it's like we get to choose how we approach any situation. I had something really important today, and it broke, like literally broke. I was cleaning glass up off the floor, and um, yeah. and it's like I could blame that. I could blame the fact that I you know, needed to do this and grr, or it's like, it's just a thing. It's just a thing. Would it have broken otherwise? Probably not. Uh, well, I love what you said there. And it actually triggers an opening thought for me here because um, I think there is something about understanding responsibility and like what you can take action on, right? A lot of times if you break something, it's broken. You can't go undo it. So it's a lot healthier and easier to move on and and laugh it off and say, hey, eh, maybe I should, you know, figure something else out next time. Yeah. Right, learn and move on. But we mentioned when you mentioned the different types of work, I think a lot of times people hold themselves back and stress themselves out because they're trying to apply the wrong method to the wrong type of work. So if you're stocking a shelf, it's a pretty physical type of work that the more stuff you put on the shelf, the more work you're doing. And so you can work harder at that. You know, there's some physical constraints of the human body that you'll, you know, get tired at the end of an eight hour day and you need to sleep and other things, but the more effort you put in, the better your results are. 
there's a different type of work that's what most of us do, which is the intellectual work, where if you're writing a book or you're responding to emails or you're thinking about a project and trying to organize your, your project management, that's a different type of work. It has diminishing returns. The more you work, the less you productive you are because your brain wears out and you can only hold so many items in your in your head and um, you really start to slow down. It's shown for like computer programmers that if you work more than 60 hours a week for six weeks in a row, you slow down so much in your production that you could have just worked 40 hours and produced more uh, effort because those extra steps weren't adding as much as the first steps were. We saw that during the pandemic. Yeah. Right? We saw that where people were excited to actually have free time and have their own time and a flexible schedule. And well, you know, I'm up, I'll just check email at 6.30 in the morning and sure, I'll get breakfast. But before I do, let me check email and let me respond to one or two things. And then the day goes on and you're working and you're, you might take a break here and there, but because you've taken a break, it's dinner time, and now you've got to check email one more time because you took that <laughs> in the middle Before of the day. Back. And right before bed, well, you know, it's 8.30, it's 10 o'clock at night. You're going to do one more thing. And we saw a lot of that happen during the pandemic where where the, the concept of uh, revenge bedtime procrastination came up. I don't know if you've heard that term. Wow. But that's where it's like, well, I gave so much uh, now it's my time and we'd put off sleep. And it was, as you say, Mike, the, the law of diminishing returns. We <laughs> we didn't get productive when we were devoting so much time to the doing. So what's so then the there's third, there's a third one, which is where I really got excited. OK, so there's let's, also let's this backwards law that some things in the universe Actually, the harder you work at them, the less likely they are to happen. So you just brought up sleep. The more you try to fall asleep, the less likely you are to do so. The more you try and make somebody fall in love with you or you try to make a sale, the less likely that is to happen because your actually effort in trying to do it makes it less likely. Uh, and so we see this sometimes even with play and, and partying that Sometimes the pressure of New Year's Eve or a, a wedding uh, celebration is so high to have fun that everybody's got to have the best night of their life that nobody can have fun, that everybody's stressed out. You know, you get the bridezilla running around and uh, everybody's worried that we spent so much money on this vacation. We have to maximize every minute of it. And it sucks all the fun out of the room. And so what I really love is talking about the type of work like creativity and and play and connecting with another human being where it's actually the process of letting go that allows those exponential returns that that you talk about. Uh, that's awesome. Let's uh, let's talk about that. Before we do, I, I, I typically like to get to know the human behind the expert. So with most people, that I've interviewed, it's like, well, you're a successful, you know, multimillionaire and you've been doing X, Y, Z and you didn't get born a multimillionaire with you. I, it's like you were born to play like so. <laughs> so tell us, like, how did you realize, wow, play is a thing 
And not only do I not want to stop playing, I want other people to get back in touch with play. Like, what was your process? How did you grow up realizing that, wow, play is actually a thing? Yeah, several things to talk about here. First of all, I should probably just say I am really blessed. You know, I mean, one, I'm, I'm a middle-aged white guy from the middle of the country and, and middle class. So uh, there's not a whole lot to complain about in the first place. But I also had two really good parents that I saw as a little bit separate. Now, uh, my dad's side is like all those people you were talking about. They're like, I'm the youngest Montague without a million dollars in the bank or oldest Montague, I think. Uh, that, um, they are all salespeople and they're driven and, and he was one of four boys and they were all just like kind of Lord of the flies, sports athlete, high performance, uh, culture on that side. And my mom has two sisters and her grandmother was a piano teacher. And that side of the family's all full of like artists and creatives and fashion designers and musicians and, uh, really playful people. My grandma on that side is, is who I credit most of my sense of humor with. She introduced me at a young age to like Monty Python and Steve Martin. And uh, my mom had a Cheech and Chong record that we would listen to on, on vinyl and stuff. And I just found it all fascinating. But both of my parents encouraged us to play and be our, our best selves, whether that was in sports or we're messing around, you know, coming up with a a band or a, a skit to perform in front of our parents and make them laugh. We had a term called creative nerdery that uh, our aunts and uncles and parents would use and be like, Oh, the kids are at it again. Here comes some creative nerdery. Let's see what they cooked up in the back room. You know, I love and that. They, they I love that you celebrated that. Right. I yeah. love that you celebrated that. A lot of times it's, you know, we, we shut our kids down or kids in general get shut down with, you know, st stop that, you know, stop the playing. You've got to be sit still. And, and it's like, no, the play is where the play is where the creativity happens. The play is where like, that is where the leaps happen. So creative nerdery. I love that there's a name for it. Um, yeah, that's kind of, of my family. personal brand now. I love I that. It, no, I it love didn't work you... for the podcast title and stuff because people uh, struggle with the nerd. And then people thought it was only for creatives. And really, my mission is to help the people that don't consider themselves creatives, that um, they're in a cubicle job or selling insurance or something. They're like, man, I wish I had really taking that swing at uh, being a magician or whatever your, your passion happens to be and encouraging those people to do more of it. Even if you still keep the insurance job, uh, bring, bring some magic in into that. Okay. Did you know that I was a performing magician in addition to, to like, I worked a <laughs> I hit the sweet spot. Huh? You did. I worked a traditional job job, right. You know, during the week. And then, Fridays, I'd close out, close down at my cubicle, drive home, change into a tux and go out to the local nightclub. So it's doable, right? That that being on stage, performing, uh, getting other people to laugh or to step into a place of wonder, it is doable. And it's so recharging. A lot of people think it's exhausting. They ask me how I host game shows and uh, things at, at on nights and weekends after I work, you know, 40 or more hours a week at my job. I go, well, that's the part that re-energizes me for the rest of it. If yeah. I just did the boring job part, <laughs> I would be dying inside. But Definitely. this is the real, real fun stuff. So cut a long story uh, short. 
I've always felt like there were two sides to my personality. One, I've been really gifted with like computers and logical stuff. And that's why I'm not like the idiot circus clown, you know, the bow tie wearing guy that's just like uh, frivolous. I, I, you know, make a lot of money doing corporate training. I, I can focus. I've written computer programs and online courses and books and all kinds of things. So I'm not just being silly. Great. Um, but I think that's I really important that, that it's not about goofy, right? It's not about being goofy or frivolous or silly. It's about tapping something actually deeper. So um, your ability to balance the logic and the balance a business of corporate speaking, of engaging others, that's huge. Yeah. Um, so when and, I was thinking about going to college, I had yeah. a choice here. I was like, I can, I'm gifted at computers. I can do this. I'm, uh, I could be a co computer programmer, but I thought, I don't want to be a nerd. I don't want to be stuck in a room by myself behind a computer all day. I want to be cool. I want to be on the radio. You know, I want to, I want to perform. And so I decided to go into radio and I worked my way up, got my own show on the top 40 radio station here in Kansas city. And uh, I was Romeo on Mix 93.3 and worked uh, the nights. And guess what the job is? Sitting in a room by yourself behind a computer all day. I would tell the funniest joke I'd ever heard of and nobody would laugh. <laughs> and uh, the, all the songs were picked by a program director and all the breaks were scripted with commercials and sponsorships and things to read, like the weather and the top of the hour ID. And there were about 30 seconds an hour where I actually got to be creative. And so I found that that job wasn't for me. But in the meantime, I DJed in bars and clubs. I got to open for Billy Idol and Frankie Valley and play Toby Keith's Bar and Grill and do a whole bunch of cool things as a, an entertainer. But it was a, a real struggle to pay the bills that way. So I got into corporate training. I do team building events, sales training. I've worked for Facebook, Google, Uber, Qualcomm, uh, all kinds of huge companies. And that is my way of marrying the two where um, I really get to have fun, make money, connect with people and uh, express myself all at the same time. That's awesome. All right. So let's get you to express a little more. Um, <laughs> when you do the trainings, um, what are people looking for as an outcome? And how do you get there? Like, uh, given that we have an audience that's listening or watching. Um, you know, why should they want to be more creative? What happens yeah. when they're creative and how do they touch that? How do we each touch that creativity just a little bit more? I think there are several things. I talk about five CCs of fun, kind of five benefits of, of play. Creativity is one of them. It's scientifically proven with neuroscience that when you're stressed, when the cortisol is up in your bloodstream and you're freaking out, your brain is on survival mode. So it narrows your, your vision, you lose peripheral vision, and your brain focuses on one right answer that will allow you to survive the situation. That's why in politics and even in you know stressful corporate meetings, you see people dig in and fight for their opinions because they feel like there is a right answer, first of all. And number two, that if they don't go with the right answer, they're not going to survive that everything is all stressful. When you release all of that and you're in a playful mindset, when you're um, 
you know, playing with a child or doing an improv game or solving a puzzle or telling jokes, you open your mind up and you get different cortisols like, uh, or different stress hormones called eustress, which actually encourage you to be the best version of yourself. Your muscles loosen. You don't get the back pain and stuff. You can stretch your mind loosens. And all of a sudden you can see ways around obstacles that you couldn't before. So I think that's a huge one. And then I just wanted to tack on the other four and then you can ask me which ones uh, you want to follow up on Dr. P, but uh, communication improves when you're in play instead of stress. The entire culture improves, which means there's like a synergistic effect that you get more referrals, you get higher customer reviews and things when you have a playful culture. So there's a wider level than that. Physical and mental conditioning improves. When you're stressed out, you're not learning, you're not growing, you don't have the bandwidth for anything. Like I said, your muscles tighten and you have more sick days and all kinds of uh, other stuff that, that aren't great. And then the, um, the last one for me, I think, is confidence. That when you're in a playful state, you have the confidence to try things that might not work. When you're stressed out, you're worried about survival, you're doubting yourself whether you're going to make it and you will only do things that you'd know have a really high chance of success. And when you put all five of those things together, it's exponential success. It's not a little bit of difference. It's a lot of bit of difference. That That is, uh, that is singing my song. Go through them one more time. Creativity, communication. Yeah. Creativity, ability to, to solve problems. Confidence, ability to try things that might not work. Uh, physical and mental conditioning. So you can get smarter, you can get stronger and healthier. Communication is better communication between one-to-one -one person and then a better workplace culture, which is sort of the synergistic effect of the group think and the group uh, positive effects. So happiness we know is contagious, just like smiles and yawns that when you're smiling, you're playful and happy, it spreads to other people. And then they get the benefits of those other four things too. Perfect. That was it. I was I was missing the conditioning piece of uh, physical <laughs> and mental. There we go. All right. Uh, amazing. Truly amazing. Uh, how do we tap it? How do we get there? You know, it's you said that that uh, the more we try to sleep, the harder it is. The more we try to <clears throat> I must have fun, darn it. You know, it's like, mm, OK. Um, uh, this is the part that gets sticky. Python did a did a great a great skit on meditation, and they they did a uh, uh, ready everybody meditate one two three one two three you there you're not meditating one two three and it was yeah. like uh, how do you do that like how do you tap into of course you're not going to relax if you know someone's shouting at you and internally we have this shout of. I'm here to have fun, darn it. Um, so, so what is the, what's, yeah. you know, I'm a, there's, I'm a martial artist. Few, also. The key to letting go is just letting go. Right. So yeah. Talk about those processes. I think the first one is really the hardest, which is you have to lower the stakes here a little bit and take the stress out of it at first. So we have to make some room for some of this, um, at larger companies, that's really tough. For yourself, 
that's not really hard. You have to just decide that I'm going to have to do something different. What I'm doing is not sustainable, that living through stress and hard work is just going to burn me out and I'm not going to enjoy the life along the way. I'm not going to enjoy the destination and it, my life might be shorter and, and uh, less fulfilling. So if you're burning out or if you're feeling bored and you're stuck on repeat and having one of those midlife crisis moments, that's for you. You got to decide to lower the stakes. Nobody gets out of this thing alive. I can have more fun along the way and it's not, not life or death. And then I need to get some space for this. So much like meditation, you can't say like, I mean, you can, if you can only work in five minutes of fun in between zoom calls or something, then take the five minutes. But I think you also need to think about how you schedule your day and how you uh, build play moments and breaks and time to let go of all of that stress, because sometimes it takes a while. It can take up to 20 minutes. So I have a question for you about that because um, I'm a huge fan of the absurd and mm -hmm. And I don't just you know, take a break and go, well, now it's time to play. And, yeah. you know, all of a sudden there's, uh, what? Like, you know, someone coming, you know, a little stuffed animal jumps up or I'll do some magic or whatever. It's like, I'm surrounded by it. And I think that way. And, you know, I keep, I keep stuff around me that makes me happy or that I am happy right. because I've chosen to have this stuff with me. Um, so I don't I'm, know what you're, you're talking about. Uh, right. Wayne. Exactly. For those that can't happy. see uh, and that are listening to this only uh, Mike's entire room is filled with everything from Legos to uh, juggling balls, Steve Martin like, album books. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, pineapple. That's awesome. It's like it's <laughs> right. So what is your environment? I think that's part of it. Um, and so it, do we need to actually go, OK, now it's break time. I'm going to go play or it's break time and I'm just going to journal. I'm just going to color. I'm just going to, you know, there's we break and we give ourselves space and the ability to do that. Um, I'm oddly special in that as i assume you are in that uh stuff is naturally playful right, right. that that it's like you can't take yourself too seriously and if you're triggered by something it means that the other person has gotten in there's an integrity breach and it's not about you it's about them what's the absurdity that's happening in the context. And I think that that is, is a practice that needs to be <laughs> brought forward yeah. in that though, you you're talking about leave space for play. So where, okay. So we have a break between calls. Yeah. Where, different types of, of do you do? play for sure too. So I think there's kind of uh three or four levels here. I haven't actually counted these yet, but okay. um, I think, Let's yeah, you can together. Hey, <laughs> bring play to the stuff that you're already doing. So if you are in zoom calls all day, be more playful in, in zoom calls, leave some space in that meeting at five minutes at the beginning or end to connect with people, ask a silly question is a hot dog, a sandwich or a taco. Um, you know, let people, um, have some, 
some room to laugh or, or bring joy and creativity to the work you're already doing. I think I just want to punctuate this real fast because you're going to make a bunch of points and I want to capture this one. Yeah. Um, just a simple comment can be playful. And I think we miss that. I think that we miss that. Oh, I'm in play. Like I'm in the space of play. If I ask is a hot dog a sandwich? That's a playful question. Awesome. Like to appreciate that, you know, that we miss it so much that, you know, and, and there's an opportunity to take yourself way too serious. A hot dog is a, you know, and, and, <laughs> yeah, and exactly. there's the right answer. Right. So uh, again, it's a, it's an opportunity to seek the absurd. So I love that, that, that it's really a mindset of play and to acknowledge that. What else? I collect these things. So, uh, you know, this again, I'm not counting the points, but I have a whole list of those questions. So if tomato is a fruit, does that make ketchup a, a jelly? And um, anytime somebody in a Zoom meeting goes, all right, that's the presentation. Uh, any questions? I say, uh, yeah. What do you think Santa Claus or, or what do you think Jesus does for Santa Claus on his birthday? Because Santa Claus really goes out of his way on Jesus's birthday, right? What do you think he does? And <laughs> just drop that one in there and get a laugh from everybody. Make him think. Um, I collect jokes and and dad jokes and stuff too, or uh, the interesting objects and games around here. So yes. we can play a game whenever you're ready to. I have some good questions to, to ask you, Wayne. But um, collecting these things allows me to have wait. a bunch of resources ready. Are you ready? Um, do you know, for, before we begin, do you know yeah. the, uh, number one cause of dry skin? Uh, I do, but you tell us. You do? Yeah. It's, it's towels. <laughs> towels. I love it. All right. Yeah, there you go. Um, so I think there is, um, there's bringing playfulness. There's finding reasons to be playful then there is sort of this um, larger thing where I've had to go on digital detoxes and, you know, taking vacations and large breaks just to reset my whole yes. mind, body, and spirit. Because I so think important. if you're really burnt out, you know, adding a few dad jokes to your Zoom meeting is not going to cut it. You're, you're going to need like the trip to the Galapagos with like no cell phone signal to to reset if you're, if you're really freaking out that bad. So I, I think some larger breaks and things may or may not be possible, but people also don't realize that it doesn't have to be expensive. The big trick in all of this, I think, in our culture is that you only see the stuff that people have been able to commoditize and advertise as play. Nobody is advertising. You can go to the park with your dog for free. You can take a ball uh, and a kid to a playground and have a really great time. And it doesn't cost you a dime. So I think there are a lot of ways to be playful. And there's a lot of different types of play. I, I can't say all 10 here, but on I my website, playfulhumans.com slash quiz, there's a quiz where there's 10 different types of play. You might be an athlete. You might be a joke teller. You might be a puzzle solver. You might be a social person. You might be an explorer who likes the outdoors. Those are just some of the options. But all of those can get you into a full, like true playful state. And you got to find what turns you on, what recharges your batteries and, and gets you into that happy place. That's awesome. And you don't have to feel like you're burned out to step into that space. Like 
right it way takes, before yeah it takes nothing it i mean it takes nothing but willpower to set your phone down on a friday night and not pick it up until monday mm-hmm. um that is tough and um you know i stopped wearing a smartwatch me too uh, yeah because i wear regular analog watches that can tell me the time I don't need a smartwatch. I don't need it to buzz me all the time. Um, I don't need to measure my steps. Come on. I I'll, I have a pocket Fitbit that measures my steps. That's great. It it's for my sleep. I don't need to measure my sleep. I'm sleeping. I'm, I, I'm, there's nothing I can consciously do about it. Well, that's interesting. That's another conversation because I do have a Fitbit in my pocket and I have an aura ring on my on my right, <laughs> there you go. which does measure my sleep. Um, which tells me, it does tell me what time did I get to bed? It does tell me it's the gentle reminders. So I do believe in that stuff. I don't believe in the, uh, like I need to be connected. Notifications. Yeah. It's a distraction. It's a distraction. (laughs) These others are passive. They're not distractions. They're one-time notifications because I choose to tap into them. Um, otherwise you know, it, it's tricky. Put the tech down. You are listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. Wayne Purnell. You know you are bigger than the life you are leading. It really is time to attend to that thing you've wanted to do or have, but you've been putting off. It's time to step into that dream you've parked for someday. It's time to claim true well-being, both personally and professionally, without giving up the success that got you here. It's time to check out Dr. Purnell's signature small group retreat, the Exponential Success Summit. Explore ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. Seats are extremely limited as this is a very special small group event. www.ExponentialSuccessSummit.com. I love that, that this is a discussion playfulhumans.com slash quiz. Uh, and my question is, could I be more than one type of person? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cause my sense is I like jokes, bad jokes. I like uh, puzzles. Yeah. Um, I do find the absurd in things and it's just the way I think. And, and I think we can all train ourselves to get there too. Yeah. You know what I think is a fun one? You might be like me because we have a lot of similar performing backgrounds and stuff, but there's one play personality type called the director, which people really enjoy producing fun for other people. And that's kind of what I see magic and podcasts in is sure we get to be live in the moment and play doing it, but we're doing this with this emphasis to facilitate play and entertainment for other people. It's a, it's, yeah, for me, it's a, and when I do my consulting and my one-to-one coaching, it's a, it's a come with me kind of style. Yeah. Come with me, not look what I can do. Um, It's a very different kind of, it's a different approach to my doctorates in psychology. It's just a different approach to psychology. It's a different approach to magic. Look what I can do right? Mm -hmm. Versus come with me. There's this journey. It's amazing. And it's going to be a little bit of fun. Come on. Um, And and that's, that is what I like to promote. Uh, Cool. This is awesome. Did you have a quiz for me? Is that what you said? Yeah. Do you want to play a game? 
Do I? (laughs) I didn't think you were going to be the first person to say no for me. But uh, you know this game. uh, We call it Survey Says. We surveyed 100 people. The top answers are on the card. All you have to do is get one of the top answers uh, in two out of three. And I will uh, consider that a win. But those of you listening uh, can play at home and and do yours uh, too. Please play along. uh, first one is a pretty easy one. Name a place where people always try to squeeze in one more person. A subway. Subway. We will take it. Uh, those public transportations came in at number three, the car, the elevator, restaurant table, or a church pew also on the list. Uh, nicely done. Thank you. All right. Number two, name a cooked food that's just as good hot or cold. So this is a little complicated. Something that's already been cooked, but you can eat it hot or cold. That's got to be like pizza. I go with pizza too, but that's number two. Chicken uh, was number one. I guess people like cold chicken. Uh, I also don't like cold potatoes, but a potato salad is, uh, I guess. Um, carrots I'm not a fan and of shrimp. Chicken. Shrimp should have been higher up there. I think. Shrimp, definitely. I'm not a fan of cold chicken. I'm just not. No, uh, I I agree with you. All right, last one. This one's my favorite. Okay. During a power failure, name something you can still turn on. (laughs) Is that like another human or is that? uh, Yeah, spouse, number four answer. You get 11 points uh, for that one. Um, Or or a flashlight. flashlight, Yeah. It was number one, radio number two, and uh, the water or stove. Very good. Nice. So little play breaks like that I found are really powerful because it allows you to connect with another human. It's a little bit of a distraction that lets your brain and body reset. And then it's also just like a chance to laugh. And and, uh, I think about it as improv. You know, in improv, they make prompts or suggestions. And so these games oftentimes work as prompts for brainstorming that something happens where your brain starts making new connections and it fires off. And it's like when you take a shower, it distracts you just enough to go, ah, I remember what I was going to say, or I have that solution to that problem. I love this, Mike. The, um, you know, the whole premise of improv is yes. And versus yeah, but right. Yeah. But you're back in that. I'm fighting for the right answer. Um, the quiz you just put me through was um, there are multiple right answers. And even if you're not one of the hundred people surveyed and you come up with the hundred first answer, it's still a right answer because you came up with it. Right. So th- right. the whole idea of having fun with it, um, think creatively, allow yourself that space. I love that. You know, it's not like you triggered oh, an, another on. thought in my mind there, Please. which is I told you I love these backwards laws. A lot of people think you got to play to win in business and in life and stuff, but there are games that are a lot more fun to play like Jenga, where in Jenga you play not to lose, right? It's a different type of game. And there are, is this whole idea of sort of uh, game theory and infinite games. Sometimes the whole point of the game, like improv is to keep the game going. Yes. So really, that's what I feel like business is. You don't win business. You're never like, oh, 
Apple One, I guess we're over. We're all going to shut up our our, our stores yep. and close up shop. No, the idea is to keep Apple going, to keep your business going, to pay your bills this month, this quarter, so that you can get to do it again next month or, or next year. Well, so that's a completely yeah. different game than what people think of as zero sum, win loss. I got the sale or you didn't, uh, you know, kind of thing. I'm a huge fan of the yes and philosophy and anti-zero sum that it's not just if I win, that means you've lost. If I win, like I'm a huge fan of the idea that we live in a hugely abundant space and, you know, you do corporate training. I do corporate training. Does it mean that if you get a, you know, a corporate training gig, I can't get that one or yeah. You know, or vice versa. It's like, no, there's room for each of us with our different styles, with what's needed out there at a given moment. There's room, there's enough, and there's actually more than enough. There's plenty. And I think the idea of yes and the infinite game, I love that. I love that. Like for me, the idea of come with me on this journey is to spark my audience to think where. Can I be just that bit more infinite? Where can I expand what I'm doing just that bit more to make it happen another day or to make it happen in a way that I enjoy it and other people might enjoy it? Again, back to connection, culture, confidence, your five C's. Yeah. One other point there for me is I think there is benefit to measuring things like you mentioned with, with the, the Fitbit and your, your sleep and other things. Sometimes you can gain insight from those things. But what I think people miss is what we started with is that illusion of control that they think by measuring these things, they can control these things. And what I really realized, especially in the pandemic in the last three years is that nobody knows what's going to happen next. We can't control any of it. And so it makes more sense to me to get really good at being an improv human and learning how to deal with whatever comes next and building those resilience skills through play, then it does trying to measure and control everything and get my plan right. And if I just dot all my I's and cross all my T's, uh, that I'm somehow going to be successful or I can guarantee any higher success. I love uh, that. Than if I didn't, you know? Yeah. Resilience, huge. Um, the whole idea of, of the bargain, I call it bargaining, right? The, if I only do this, then that's going to happen. It's some false syllogistic tree. If this, then that, and it's and it's really about well, let's play with it. Let's see. Let's explore. Maybe if I didn't exercise so close to going to bed, I wouldn't have the body heating effect. Okay, that I can measure. Now let's play with that. What if I backed it up by fifteen minutes, half an hour, whatever? That that's a thing. Resilience. The other thing that the pandemic brought us was. Uh, courage like huge courage we didn't know what to expect and we all figured out wow we can go into the unknown and live through it yeah amazing yay us right so um courage resilience big big wins out of the out of the pandemic um i think the thing people miss there is that order is great uh Chaos happens and chaos can also be great. It can. What makes life interesting is the movement between the two. 
back and forth. So if you're always in order, life is boring. There's no spontaneity. The system is very fragile. It can fall apart at any moment. And when you're in too much order and your day's just on repeat, we don't make any new memories. We don't grow. We don't strengthen. Uh, we, we get very brittle. But if we're in too much chaos, that's not great either. So I don't recommend just, you know, quitting your job, you know, <laughs> leave your spouse and go live in a van and, and travel the world. If that sounds for you, I mean, go for it. But that sounds like too much chaos to me. But what's interesting is when we move between the two, we create more memories. We create more of that resilience we're talking about. We create more tools and conditioning for our mind and body that prepares us for whatever happens next. So in the pandemic, every day seemed really long because we weren't doing anything. But the year, when you look back at it, I have to add it two years to all my memories because we didn't make any new memories in that time period. So then our life feels short and our days feel long. When we move between order and chaos, the opposite happens. Our days feel really uh, fast because we are fully engaged and present in the whole thing. And time flies like on this podcast, but our lives feel really long and full because we made so many memories and we learned so much along the way. Huge, huge point. Absolutely. I, uh, I love that a lot. It goes hand in hand. Like you've sparked something for me. Some of the coaching that I will give people is to put a three-day or four-day weekend on their calendar every two to three months. Because the calendar changes so fast, we get through it, and it's like, wow, it's that month. You have something to look forward to. Yeah. Um, you do something special for yourself. We need two things as humans. We need consistency, things that we rely on. I parked my car in a very specific space. I really want it there when I come back. Um, the other thing is novelty, which is what's new. What can we do new? And it is that that you're talking about. It's the newness, the novelty that we bring into our lives that creates the memories. When you do that with somebody else, you've created a special bond, which is why when you go into a corporate <laughs> program and you go, look, you guys, we're going to do something you've never done before. People will be talking about it for months and and hopefully longer, right? God, when that Mike Montague guy came, <laughs> he blew our minds. That's awesome. Um, love that. I really love that. The the whole idea of what can you do new today, even? You know, I um I'm gonna borrow some of our time so I can tell a really quick story. And that is when I was in graduate school, I, I realized I was doing the same thing over and over and over. I was sitting in my, you know, I was sitting at my desk in my little room that I have a house that I had rented and I was either at the computer or studying. And then I'd go to school and then I'd come back. It was, that's what I did. And I realized my life was my, it was closing in on me. It was just closing in. I took a uh, four by eight piece of paper uh card i was i was using it to study it's the bigger size from three by five four by eight and i uh in bright orange letters i wrote a four letter word ending in k and i stuck that on the threshold of the door so it would be the last word that i'd see heading out the door and that word was risk mm. and my challenge to myself at that time this was many decades ago going through grad school was risk doing one thing new today. 
And that was, that was like, okay, I'm going to go to my grad school, a different route. I'm going to try a different food. I'm going to talk to a different person, something different. And I think that's the key for, you know, when you talk about play and creativity and strength and authenticity, I think that that is at the core of it all, right. Is just, can you, can you encourage yourself to engage differently somehow? Well, you said engage differently. I think for a lot of people these days, it's engage at all. <laughs> you know, they're they're tuning out and you're you're mindlessly scrolling on social media or mm-hmm. uh, binge watching a Netflix show. You're not really engaged in the life and the world outside there. And so, uh, a couple of of tips here, I think, is um, whether that's getting outside, your physical space does matter. You mentioned, you know, kind of being trapped. If you're trapped in a, a boring room with four walls and, and no windows, your brain is kind of limited by that too. I find when I go out and walk in wilderness or get outside, there's just something about having the infinite space above your head that focuses you in a way that you have to pay attention to all 360 degrees around you rather than having that solid wall behind you. But People in prison have proven you can do the same thing in your mind. You can start writing or telling stories and expanding your mind outside of the the box that it's in, too. And I, I think exactly what you said, when you get out there and engage with other people and you take shots to expand your network, to expand the types of ideas that you're getting, um, it changes your algorithm for life. You start getting new and unusual things and good things happen. It's it's the nature of a mastermind is, you know, if I have a dollar and you have a dollar and we trade dollars, we each have a dollar. But if I have an idea and you have an idea and we trade ideas, now we have two ideas, three ideas, 10 ideas, 100 ideas. And and it sparks and it sparks and it sparks. And it's it does come back to just engage, like just talk to somebody. I love all of this. I create traps for myself too. And then you just said, engage with somebody and you, you nodded to me and I thought, well, that's why I love doing a podcast. So some of this has been a trip, uh, a trap for me that when I sign up and I schedule to host karaoke shows or game shows at, at nights and weekends, I'm getting paid a hundred dollars on Saturday night to go out and get and play to have a great time. Other people are paying hundreds of dollars for that experience and I'm getting paid, but it's a trap. It's on my schedule. Now I have to go do that. Same thing with the podcast that I I host for, for playful humans is I get to talk to a cool, fun, playful human every week. Um, Okay. (laughs) That's a nice trap for me uh, that I've set up and I've met, you know, over 150 cool people now. I love that. Right. So the idea of, um, I, it's a trap. <laughs> it's, I would call it a block. Like you've blocked this yeah. as a gift for yourself. The way I recommend put, put a, a three to four day weekend on your calendar. That's a block of time that is for you to go somewhere new, try something different, put a block of time on your calendar. For me, it was, uh, when I was, when I was doing, uh, magic at the local nightclub, it was a block of time. It was Friday night. It was Saturday night. And that was my block that I got to do. Didn't have to do. I got to do it. Right. It's What's a, your go-to, uh, go-to magic um, 
kind of said, are you a card guy? Are you a, a mentalist or interesting? Uh, I do table magic and I also uh, did stage where I would cut my wife into thirds. So, I mean, we oh, those are awesome. Right. So we, we were magicians together. People would say, Oh, is she your assistant? It's like, Oh no, no, no. She's <laughs> a, an amazing magician in her own right. So, um, so my go-to, I love to amuse, um, amaze and amuse people in small groups. It's why I run, uh, an exponential success summit like that is a yeah. group of 12 or less where people work on themselves and their minds are blown and, or doing table magic, you know, right. Miracles happen right in front of where you are and you see it. And it's like, what? Um, thanks for asking me that I get all yeah. like, excited. Right. So, uh, and that's the, that's the kind of thing that we need to be doing for each other is you know you find that place where you can ask a very specific question of somebody and they go this right this this is what's magical about my life um thank you for that appreciate it um what what did i not ask you at this point like we've covered a ton and uh just just the nature of this is fun what were you hoping I'd ask? What did I not cover? What do you want to share? I think we pretty much nailed it. Um, my maybe my final thoughts here would be around uh, sort of this emergence of AI tools and, and oh. computers, because yeah. I think if we want to get really crazy and I might just end on a crazy thought, but um, two things come to mind. One is I think we need to understand better the difference between humans and computers, that computers are really great at crunching big data and making uh, predictions and giving us maybe insights into things. But humans are really great at the things we've already mentioned, like creative problem solving, knowing when to break the rules in the programming and being able to connect emotionally with another human. As more technology creeps into our lives, I think we're going to have to more and more make decisions about how we leverage technology to engage with our humanity and engage with the world and make sure that we don't use it as an excuse to hide from it, to just stay inside and pretend on social media rather than calling your mom and actually talking to her and finding out what's going on rather than, than liking a picture. Um, I think that's a big deal. The other one, and this is my crazy thought experiment to, to end on, but if Elon Musk is trying to colonize Mars, he has to do all of that with computers and robots. You can't send a human to Mars without being able to support human life because they would die. Uh, it'd be a suicide trip. Now, if you could do that, you could create everything here on Earth that humans needed to survive. So it could be possible in, in our lifetime, Wayne, that we don't need humans to work to survive. Um, and if we didn't, what would be the role of humans in, in that society? If we had ro robots, androids, and, and AI producing everything we needed to survive, shelter and food and, and clean water, what would be the role of, of humans? And I think that really helps me focus in on, um, for me, it's a lot of play. It's a lot of human connection. It's a lot of living your life rather than working um 
your life, which sounds like a, a really cool utopia if it happens. It does. I uh, so because of the way my mind works, I went to this this sort of dark space where it's sci-fi, right? So if we yeah. have technology, if we have technology that is there to keep us alive at some point, and we've given up the oversight of that. Mm-hmm. at some point does technology go we don't need humans to you know to, to keep alive and anyway that's a definitely diff- possible like i said this is a really weird crazy thought experiment yeah. uh just in the last 12 months i'm not joking i'm a little bit of a tech nerd i, I mentioned earlier right they um mark zuckerberg's trying to create you know the matrix the the metaverse you can plug into and, and check out from reality uh, we have AI that can write its own programs now. AI can write computer uh, code. And the third one, this will blow your mind, they've invented a metal robot out of uh, that has magnet uh, magnetized metal. It can melt itself, like slide through a grate and reform on the other side, like Terminator 2. We are dangerously close to creating all the situations for an apocalypse. I think we also need somebody thinking about how do we use humanity? How do we connect and live and and use the best of what humans are capable of uh, at the same time? Because a lot of people are putting a lot of time, money, and effort into building these machines. I think that brings us full circle, which is a really great place to tie this together. Um, how do we focus more on humanity? And we do have the ability to play. We do have the ability to engage with each other. We do have the ability to lift a life simply by having eye contact and smiling. I mean, that's, that's, that is a huge way of making a difference in somebody else's life. And, um, and I think it's a, it's a great place to be where we we as humans get to focus on ourselves and on others as humans i love it well i love it too mike montague thank you for being here uh you are encouraging people to go to playfulhumans.com slash quiz so that will be in the show notes um truly thank you Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for the time. It was a super fun conversation and I look forward to everybody hearing it. Yeah, me too. Thank you. All righty. Well, that was Mike Montague. This is one sharp sword cutting through to what matters most. I'm your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the Exponential Success Coach. We'll see you here next time. Thank you. Thank you for listening to One Sharp Sword, cutting through to what matters most with your host, Dr. P, Dr. Wayne Purnell, the breakthrough success coach and your powerful presence mentor.